three or seven months is what you're saying. What happened in those seven months? Anyway, that's what you reminded us. Unfortunately, we can't sing. Well, we can, but we can't. But I don't think there's anything in the rules that prohibit us from standing, raising our hands, maybe whispering. Or you may just want to sit where you are, maybe close your eyes, focus on God, worship Him in that way. There are ways, aren't there, of worshiping God. So, in mind, we're going to do our first song. Hopefully a well-known song. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Pour out your spirit upon us this day, we ask. 
In Jesus' name. That's normally at this point I say you may well be seated, but you already are, aren't you? It all feels very, very different, but do not be alarmed. Some things are still exactly the same. Here is my number 10 mug. Thank you very much. Real coffee in as well. Okay, a little bit of audience participation, because we're looking at this whole subject today of getting back to basics, which is from Mark's Gospel. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 1. We're going to be looking at that uh, very briefly. But when we think about getting back to basics, you won't be surprised if I was to mention three words to you. Hands, face, space. All together, hands, face, Very good. And if you're uncomfortable with the talking bit, you can still join in with all the actions. It's like kind of Sunday school revisited from X number of years ago, isn't it? One more time, we've got hands, face, space. That's what we're going to be exploring. What a shame that the camera wasn't this way round, facing uh, you lot there in your past with your hands, face, and space. Those are the basics that you would have seen on TV or heard on the radio that is coming forward from government in terms of the whole COVID situation. There's so many things out there to remember. So many different changing guidelines. And as a church, we've been kind of working that through in terms of what uh, is or what isn't a current guideline and what sort of shift there may well have been on that. Of course, there's also different degrees of severity, aren't there, across the country. And uh, we're not in the situation of Manchester or Liverpool or anything else like that. But I think it all goes to show that my mum was right years ago when I can remember her distinctly saying, it'll all end in tears. She's right, isn't she? There's a little joke there, Ian. I don't know if you got that one, did you? It'll all end in tears. But the bottom line is that we can all remember the basics, can't we? We may well not know all the minutiae of detail, but if we get the hand stuff sorted, <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen in terms of that. If we get our hands sorted and we're then conscious about the whole face, conscious with the space, that is what's important. Of course, children, if you are watching this as well uh, at home when you get hold of this recording, then you can do that as well, kind of right where you are in terms of the hands, face, space. Bottom line is when we come to our faith and our whole journey of faith, it's important that we don't let go of the basics, isn't it? We worship a great big God. We've got a great big book. We might not know everything that's in it. We certainly might not understand everything that's in it. But if we can grab hold of the basics, that is the great place from which to start. Following on from last week where we were thinking about preparing the way ahead, this week we're going to think about that one who then came, quickly being baptised and then being tempted and tested out in the wilderness before then going forth and proclaiming the kingdom of God with a twofold message that people repent and believe the good news. Tori's going to remind us of those words now from Mark chapter 1 beginning from verse 9. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 to 15. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee 
and was baptised by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals, and the angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Thank you, Tori. That's great. Each of the four Gospels includes an account of Jesus' baptism, so it's obviously quite pivotal. Mark's account is the earliest. According to Professor Terence, with whom I've got quite close with over recent weeks, it has to be said, he mentioned these words, where, where those first three words that we read, at that time, or another translation of in those days, those are to have an eschatological, there's a big word for you, uh, significance. In other words, they're to refer as well to the end times, bringing something that's to do with the to come, but in the now. You can read back in Jeremiah chapter 31, Joel chapter 3, Zechariah chapter 8, if you want a little bit of background for that. But they serve as a transition, telling us that the one who is to come has arrived. And that is why we then ought to rejoice. So we're going to be going back to the basics, and those three words of basics are... Hands, Space. Wonderful, wonderful. John's arms are so long, you nearly can't do foul there. Good job we've got socially distanced chairs this morning. Washing our hands reminds us of being clean, doesn't it? And um, I think we've got this. There we go. I've got some, um, some gel here, so we're doing the right thing in terms of being up close here. Washing our hands reminds us of being clean. Baptism is... Uh, symbolic of someone having been made clean by God, having their sins washed away. Repent and be baptised, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins. We can read in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Those first followers of Jesus did that when the church was born. It's a belief and a practice that we continue here uh, to this day. In terms of on a global scale, being baptised by immersion, by full immersion for believers, is the most common form of practice. It's a celebration of having been made clean by God. The word euthus, which is translated immediately in verse 10, is quite a key word that we'll be seeing recurring over and over in Mark's Gospel. Any ideas how many times the word immediately occurs in Mark's Gospel? We have a Bible college uh, uh, principal this morning, you may want to know the answer to that. Any ideas? You mean you didn't go through and read it this morning, you didn't add up? 42. 42. Immediately, 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 immediately. That sense of urgency where Mark is keeping on telling us, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. So it's quite a fast pace. When we read immediately coming up out of the water, that indicates that Jesus must have been down 
in the water. That fact, combined with the meaning of that Greek word, which is baptizo, which is the meaning to baptize, to plunge, dip, or immerse, implies that full immersion, baptism. But hang on a minute. Who is the one who's being baptized? Oh, thank you, Dave. Good to know that somebody's here. It was Jesus who was being baptized. We're baptized for what? For the washing away of our sins. So why then is Jesus being baptized here, since we know that he never did anything wrong? Well, first, it's because Jesus' whole uh, being baptized was an act of his own identification. He was associating himself with us. This was the first sign of his intention to do so, when he took the place of a sinner and was baptised with a baptism of repentance and confession of sin. It's quite significant that the moment that Jesus begins to take our place, your place and mine, which is going to be reflected upon in our next song, it's at that moment that the Father gives him his Holy Spirit. Not that Jesus didn't have God's Holy Spirit anyway, let's not misunderstand that, But in the context that scripture is written here, the language that's used, Jesus was anointed by the Spirit for the work that he was then going to do, which obviously over the coming weeks is what we're going to be exploring together. We too need that same Holy Spirit, don't be a fresh anointing for that which we've been uh, called to do, wherever it is that we find ourselves. The words of the Father from heaven, this is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Confirm that other purpose here for what Mark is writing, that Jesus' baptism was to establish that everybody knows this identity of the one being baptised was the Son (laughs) of God. We're going to lift up his name, the one who came from heaven to earth for you and for me. We're going to worship God right now and after we sing this song or those who are allowed to, but of course, if you're watching this at home, by all means, sing your heart out. And then after this uh, this song, Dave is going to give a community kids slot for you younger generation here. We're all young in heart here, so we're allowed to listen in as well. Now, if you've got anything to celebrate, that is going to follow after Dave. Firstly, the song.
this morning to our service. I've been asked to come along and talk to you this morning about one of the first jobs I had when I left school. I was living in London at the time, so I went along to London Zoo and I asked them if they could give me a job as a zookeeper. Wow, they said yes. I was so happy. It meant I was going to look after wild animals. Whoopee! The first animals I had to look after were gorillas and chimpanzees. <laughs> I can see some of you there. Yeah, you're pretending to be chim- Oh, you're not. Oh, sorry. Well, anyway, back at the zoo, uh, my headkeeper used to give me an envelope. It's like this. Every week he gave me this envelope and he said, David, I want you to take it over to the lion house because the zoo post box is over there and I want you to put it into the zoo post box. Inside the letter, uh, it was a letter, and I think it was all about how the animals were getting on and whether they were in good health or whatever. So off I went to the lion house. I had to go around the back of the lion house, two great big wooden doors where the lorries used to go in with the lion's food. Uh, and when they weren't being used for that, the doors were shut, and down at the bottom was a little tiny door that our zookeepers used to go in. When you got inside the door, there was a great big long passageway stretching all the way down the lion house. And it was a very wide passageway. Halfway down, on the wall, there was fixed the letterbox. I used to come with my, with my envelope and post it. If you carried on past the letterbox, you would go to where the lions and tigers cages were. And it's about tigers, I'm going to tell you. Got a couple of pictures to show you. Here's the first one. Can you see that? Oh, is it lovely? The little fluffy baby tiger dog. You could just pick it up and give it a huggle like a pet kitten, couldn't you? It would be very nice. The next one's my favourite one. This one is a white tiger. And they're very rare. And the only place I knew where they had any of those was at Bristol Zoo. I used to go along and have a look at those white tigers every now and again. They were beautiful. This is probably one that you would actually uh, know more about because if you went to the zoo, you would see a tiger looking like that. Isn't he lovely? He's brilliant, isn't he? Looking so proud. I am a tiger, king of the jungle. But also, he looks a bit friendly, doesn't he? What? What did he say? Sorry? no, tigers aren't always friendly. And, and every now and again, you might come across a tiger that looked a bit like that. <laughs> I wouldn't like to come across a tiger looking like that. This one's much better. Well, one day, uh, when I went to the post box, I put my letter in the post box. And I looked up the passage. There at the top of the passage, there was a tiger standing in the passage. A full-grown tiger. He wasn't in a cage. He was just standing in the passage. I can tell you something. Nobody had to tell me what to do. I just turned around. And I ran as fast as I could back down to the door. If I could get down there and get out and shut the door, I'd be safe. I looked round and the tiger was coming out. I tell you something now, and you want to know that in case you come across a tiger in the shops, children, they can run faster than you can. And I was really frightened because it was 
really got it. It's at that time, I thought it would be a good idea to pray. So as I was running, I was praying, Dear Lord Jesus, don't let the plague get Dear Lord Jesus, uh, please look after me. Dear Lord Jesus, let me get to the door before the tiger gets to me. Dear Lord Jesus, help me. I looked round and the tiger was getting closer. But so was the door. And the door was getting closer. Yes, I was going to get to the door. He's still alone. I was going to get to the door. I got to the door. The door was stuck. The door was stuck. I pushed it, I banged it, I pushed it, I hit it. The door wouldn't open. He was three leagues away. What was he going to do? I just turned round, put my hands against the door. I thought, oh no. And the tiger landed right at my feet. He stood up, put two big paws on my shoulder. I, I'm sure it was the biggest dinner plate. Pushed me back on the door. And there I was, just looking into the face of this tiger. I looked at him, and he looked at me. And I thought, oh, what's going to happen next? I'll tell you what happened next. Everything went quiet. I couldn't hear a sound. I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't see the walls. I couldn't see the ceiling. I couldn't see the floor. It was like everything had gone away, except for this great big face of the tiger looking at me. Oh dear, I just wondered how it was all going to end. And then I heard a voice from the other end of the passage and it was saying, push it off! Give it a big shove! Get cross with it! I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm really happy with this tiger looking like that. If I do anything uh, nasty to him, he might start looking at me like that. I'm just not going to. So I said, you come and push him off. You come and get cross with him. And I could hear a zookeeper walking down the passage. And he got to me and he got hold of the tiger by the skin on, loose skin on the back of his neck. Didn't hurt the tiger at all. Just got hold of him, pulled him off and said, go away. Go back to your bed. That time, thank you, Jesus, I realised he was a tame tiger. When he was a baby, his mother hadn't looked after him, and the zookeepers had taken him out of the cage, and they looked after him until he'd become a great, big, full-grown tiger. I didn't know that. But I went back up, and I was allowed to play with that tiger, so he got to know me and like me, and if ever I went back over to the zoo, he wouldn't frighten me again. Now, two things I want you to remember, uh, if you would, about today's story. One, learn to pray. My mum taught me to pray when I was four years old. So, younger than a lot of you, four years old, she used to go into my bedroom with me and pray some very simple, easy prayers, and I would pray too. And then after a little while, she would say to me, all right, David, you've learned that now. I'm going to leave you to pray by yourself. So I used to pray those little simple prayers. And I used to get, I got used to coming to Jesus. And it was, it was lovely. I still do that now. Today, uh, before I came, I've been praying. I always pray, every day. Uh, and, 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 and maybe, uh, mums and dads, if you're listening or looking in, please, pray with your children. It's very easy. And then uh, once you've shown them how to pray, let them pray by themselves. They get to know Jesus that way. I did. 
Uh, those of you that are older, if you pray, please write down a prayer and send it in to us. And I'm sure we'll be able to read that out here in the service, one of your prayers. Uh, prayers are the basic, one of the basic things that Christians need to have in following Jesus. So if you're a lot older and grown up and you don't pray, or you haven't prayed for a, for a long time, it's about time you got back to the basis and pray, basics and prayed. Last thing I want to say to you is when I was looking into that face of that tiger, just me and him, how close he was. And I can tell you, sometimes when I've been praying, I felt the Lord Jesus being very close to me in my prayer. It doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. And when it happens, it's the most wonderful thing in the world. So how about it? Get back to basics. Learn how to pray. Send us in one of your prayers. Thank you. You love that story. Give Dave a round of applause. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Dave. I love the line about, so if you come across a tiger in the shops, you now know what to do. And you thought Tesco's was a bit of a challenging experience already. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dave. Oh, why is that my glasses over there? I am. I need to put my um, mask on to go and get my glasses. Don't carry on, sorry about that. Okay, right, it's now time actually for our celebrations. Now Paul is going to come up and wander around with our tin of celebrations. I've got two that I'm aware of, but in case anybody else... In case anybody else has something to celebrate, this is your opportunity. So has anybody here got anything they'd like to celebrate? John, from where you are? This week, for the first time for seven months, the Friends of the Hospital shop opened with Val and I were working there on Friday morning. Friends of the Hospital shop where you work, it's the first time it's open for seven months. Round of applause, thank you for chocolate. Just whilst you're thinking of another celebration, has anybody got a 57th wedding anniversary on Monday? <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. David Chapman, have a applause please. <laughs> David said, I think actually Pat deserves the whole team. <laughs> That's brilliant, isn't it? Fantastic. Congratulations, guys. Hope you're able to do something special on Monday. Now, I believe on Wednesday, Dave, Yes. You have a birthday, is this right? I, well, I'm told I have. <laughs> Happy birthday today, a round of applause. <laughs> Has anybody else got anything that they would like to celebrate uh, from where you are? Anything at all? Yes, Ian. I think we should all have a sweet this morning by being here. Yeah. Paul's going to make sure you all have a chocolate. That'll keep you going. And then you can work out how you can smuggle your chocolate beneath your, uh, your right, mask. Uh, that's great. And actually, I think as a special welcome, because it is the first time it's been a part of, of our worship here. Uh, Chris and Helen, I don't know your daughter's name, but Rebecca. 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 I do apologise, Rebecca. I'll play the mask, but actually, I'm just completely dead. Can we welcome these guys out here? Good to see you. And 
huge thank you, Chris, for all that you've been doing working with us on the, on the media and the video side. Really appreciate that. As the chocolates are wandering around, and don't worry, Ian, you'll get yours if you run out already. Okay, he's already looking a little bit panic-stricken that he might get his chocolate. I think we're going to come back to Mark at chapter 1. We've already thought about, haven't we, about the, uh, the hands, face, space, and we've thought about washing our hands that reminds us of being clean. The Spirit helps us face the desert. There was kind of different desert experiences Dave was sharing about being face to face with a tiger there. But what we read in God's Word is about the Spirit helping us face the desert. Immediately that word occurs again. The Spirit who had descended so gently on Jesus in verse 10 then drives him out into this desert wilderness. The same verb, et bao, appears elsewhere in Mark. When Jesus drove out evil spirits from people. So you get a sense of that, that power that was behind that. But he wasn't being forced out physically against his will. It probably means that Jesus had this strong inner conviction, an urge, a sense of, I've got to do this. And you may well have felt that when you sense that, uh, that, that spirit's leading or guiding or urging you to do or say a particular thing. Jesus felt that with regards to being led into the wilderness and then facing that opposition that came his way. We can think maybe of his baptism as a commissioning and maybe his temptation or his testing as a strengthening, a a toughening, a hardening up experience. Throughout Israel's history, the wilderness has been where the Israelites have been tested. God's people have been tested, often failing. But it's also where they've been deepened spiritually time and time again. Unlike the Israelites, though, Jesus will not fail his testing. But what about ourselves? When we think about the the baptism and then that being followed by the wilderness experience, I suspect, if you can remember your own baptism, for the majority that was a celebratory event, an occasion that those loads of smiley faces, everybody was happy and thrilled for you. We don't go a bundle, do we, on those wilderness experiences? And yet often that is where we're able to grow the most. Some people, you may well know right now, are going through a wilderness experience. Maybe we're able to be a friend as well as pray uh, as to God being with them in that time. Jesus, we can read here, is tempted by Satan. The Greek word that's used, uh, that you've got here about being tempted, also can mean to test as well. But I wonder if Jesus knew in advance how long he was going to be tested for. I wonder if he knew it was going to be 40 days and 40 nights to go without food. That is a long time, isn't it? After the first couple of days, when he then got hungry, well, okay, I've done the fasting now uh, for two days. Uh, Come on, guy, I now need you to do something about this. I need you close. What about when the two days becomes four? Or the four days becomes eight? Or the days become weeks? And we translate that from Jesus' experience to our own. We're kind of okay with God initially when maybe tough times come. We know that there's a challenge to faith, but when that wilderness experience goes on and on and on, and we've prayed and we've prayed and we've looked to God, and there appears to be nothing tangible to change that wilderness that we're in, that is very, very tough, isn't it? And eventually we can often, if we're not careful, explain, well, God, where are you? And maybe when we get that far away from giving up, 
Sometimes that's the time when God then reveals himself in a fresh way, but it's tough. The reality of God's spirit in our lives is what enables us to face the desert. Maybe as with Jesus here, there can be angelic support alongside. You may well have a story to tell about that. Angels ministered to him, God's word says. What exactly that looked like or felt like, we don't know. Maybe it was his thought life was sustained, his inner life, his emotions were upheld, his mental faculties kept clear. That's the ministry of angels, invisible yet very real. Many of us, you may well have experienced a ministry of angels without even knowing that they've been present or alongside helping you in your time or hour of need. Maybe when your, your spirit has felt as if it's got no resolve, but then suddenly you sense God break in or a change in how you are feeling. feeling. That's maybe the ministry of angels. The Christian life isn't categorised, is it, by baptism experience only. There's also wilderness experience. Jesus uh, did uh, remind us that it was going to be tough, didn't he? There's a series of high moments, but also more difficult uh, moments as well. Hills and valleys. Jesus' baptism is that celebration, that celebration moment, but it's followed immediately, Mark's favourite word, by that testing in the wilderness. And that's how it can be for you, how it can be for us. It can be times when God allows us that wilderness experience. Will that make us or will it break us? These are times when it's important for us to reflect and seek God afresh about when those tough times come. I want to know that you're holding on to me and help me, God, by your grace to hold on to you. So we've done the hands, we've done the face, what about the space? Well, lastly, I want to suggest that we make space to talk about the good news. With that first wave of COVID, we noticed here in, in our church what churches up and down the country uh, noticed, which was there was a heightening and interest, an increased interest of spiritual um, appetite. Uh, and, and interest in, in spiritual things. Coronavirus, where's God? We had, as I think, one of the first weeks as a title that we looked at as a church. And that had hundreds of people download that and view that. That was something that was obviously right at the forefront of people's minds, not just in, but outside the church as well, as many people were fearing for their lives. Whatever our busyness and whatever our stresses may well be, as we are on the urge, let's be honest, of a potential second wave. We ought as the people of God, I think, to see this as an opportunity to respond boldly if such spiritual interest is going to resurface again. Because as the number of cases increases and the death toll increases, it may well go hand in hand, as it did before, of people thinking, well, if my end is coming, am I ready? That is a time and a chance for you and I <coughs> to kind of maybe reiterate the words that we've read this morning, the time has come. The time has come for maybe us to be more bold as we seek to speak out. We do have, after all, good news, don't we? It may well be that the newspapers and the headlines and everything else is all doom and gloom, but we do have good news. You can read it uh, in here, uh, can't you? The beginning of the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was how Mark opened his account. And then verse 14 and 15 that Tori read to us, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming what? The good news 
about God. The time has come, he said. Believe the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe that good news. Mark chooses to omit an entire year of Jesus' actual ministry. You'd have to draw on John's gospel largely for that. His focus is on that good news that is right here, right at the forefront of our minds. That good news of God has two components. The time has come, kairos of the word time, has come, and the kingdom of God is at hand. And it requires two responses. Firstly, to repent, and secondly, to believe this good news. If repentance denotes what we turn away from, then belief denotes that which we are to turn to. And that is the gospel. The gospel that is the one thing able to give you and me hope in these times, but also in every time. Repentance is a good place to start again with God, isn't it? That sense of looking in the mirror, self-reflection, denoting a change of mind, change of attitude, change of thinking about ourselves, maybe the way we've been in how we've behaved, an acknowledgement of our wrongdoing and of God being able to meet our need. That's repentance, and it's where God always seeks to meet us. You're never going to get a harsh response or a rebuke from God when you come sublimely to your knees, asking him to forgive you. Jesus came with this good news that the power of God is now available to break that deadlock into which mankind had fallen. No matter how much we like to think that we're able to salvage something from our own condition and that we can cope, we'd be absolutely helpless and hopeless, wouldn't we, without the good news of God and his help. The good news today is that breakthrough is always possible. The breakthrough occurred when Jesus came. He came to announce that the king is at hand, that there's one who can put our lives in order to bring peace and harmony into it and supplying a power which will produce a change that no one else and nothing else can rival. That is the kingdom of God that we believe in and our trust has entered into. The kingdom is at hand and the place to gain it begins with repentance and our acknowledgement of our own need. You can do that as you watch that right here and now, even by pausing that which you're watching. To anyone and everyone who wants it, God's help is available. When you're willing to acknowledge that you can't get along without it. As we kind of draw things to a close by way of what God's word is saying to us in the name, I remember a man called Sam Whitelaw. You won't know Sam. I first knew Sam when I became a Christian in my late teens. I was eager as this passionate uh, uh, new believer to serve God, to do something for the church. And what I got involved in was uh, doing, taking a monthly uh, service in an old people's home. I, I did a couple of, of those different homes uh, each month. And one of them was led by a man by Sam, uh, the name of Sam Weidel. Sam was already uh, retired. He was quite an intimidating character, whether it was his Scottish accent, uh, Ian, I don't know. But there would be chit-chat uh, at the start of that old people's home uh, services. We were befriending these dear old folks in, in, their, in their home, uh, in a communal community lounge uh, together. But then it came when it was the time to start. And without fail, every single time we met, 
Sam would stand up and then looking around and with Bible in hand, he would then say, Well then, ladies and gentlemen, the hour has come. I was petrified at that point. But I've remembered it. Maybe there are occasions for ourselves that the time has come when you need to put things right. The time has come, I need to talk to someone. The time is right, I need to get my own act together. The time that has come, I need to be baptised. How are we going to work that out in COVID situations? I have no idea. The time has come. What is God saying to you in the name of this time that has come? It has come because Jesus is here. And whether we're watching this as part of a recording or we're here today, this morning, know that the time has come. It's always going to be our God is in the now, wanting there to be some sort of response that we make to him. May we seek to do that. The encouragement is this. There were two words that were said um, twice in our reading. I don't know if you spotted them. Just part of the narrative, but there's something more symbolic for the likes of you and me. Jesus came. And that was what made all the difference. Verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee. And then there was this dramatic event that occurred. Why? Because Jesus came. And then verse 14, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee. And then there was another dramatic event. There always is something dramatic and radical when Jesus comes. Whilst we've got a description of what occurred in Mark chapter 1 of Jesus came, we can each of us make our prayer, Jesus, come. Would you do that? Just in the quietness of your own hearts before then Martin comes to lead us in our next song.
It's good to praise God, isn't it? Yeah. Good to kind of be in that sense of worship. Are oh, these guys fantastic, don't you think? I don't to have the say. I don't, I don't know whether or not, like me, you, missed, you couldn't see actually what Paul was doing, but when it got to that bit in that in that uh, song of when the trumpet sang, you know, when then Paul does it, don't we miss that? Well, he's not made to actually blow his own trumpet, I'm afraid. <laughs> but he did stand up back and protect, which was great. I said that there'd be an opportunity this morning for anybody who uh, felt led to or that wanted to to share a very brief encouragement uh, or testimony. Uh, we don't have to prolong this if there isn't anything, that's fine, but I know Ian wanted to mention something. Anybody else want to say something? Just indicate with a hand and we'll, we'll maybe have uh, two or three in. But Ian, do you want to start us off and then others maybe think if there's anything that you would like uh, to bring? That's the longest I've worn the mask. Oh. <laughs> I have an exemption, by the way. I don't wear a mask. No. Anyway, I, I've done with you, but I've found it great and I do the same walk every day. I've done it for what, six, seven months now. About 55 minutes from my home up to Maiden Castle and back. And I've met so many nice people. And they're inclined to uh, uh, smile and uh, be very polite. But maybe normally they wouldn't be. Uh, they go about their business, but they've stopped and they've spoken. And I've got the chance to, uh, uh, to give away some gospel tracts. And I found a very appropriate one here called Hope beyond coronavirus. Mm. Very appropriate, you may say. Mm. And I've given quite a number of them away over the time, and I've had some lovely conversations with people. And when I was walking up there, there was what they call a phantom chopper. Choppers chopping on the pavement. Things like, thank you to the National Health Service, to the key workers, smile while you walk. That was a favorite one. So I found this little note on smiling, which I thought I would read. As this is restricted to 30 seconds of a minute by pastor, I've got to be quick. <laughs> Smiling. Smiling is infectious. You catch it like the flu. When someone smiled at me today, I started smiling too. I passed around the corner and someone saw me grin. When he smiled, I realized I passed it on to him. I thought about the smile and realized its worth. A single smile just like mine could travel around the earth. So if you feel a smile begin, don't leave it undetected. Let's start an epidemic and get the world infected. <laughs> <laughs> this is not an epidemic, this is a pandemic. <laughs> and just to finish, this little note I cut out the paper just recently. It may well have been a sportsman, I'm not sure. But it says this. Okay, life is for living. As I approach my 90th birthday, this is not me writing this, by the way, <laughs> I've given my family strict instructions on what to do should I be diagnosed with COVID-19. They must buy me a good supply of quality chocolates, a couple of bottles of scotch, put the TV on a film channel, and leave it to me and the good Lord to do what's best. I refuse point blank to go into any hospital. And if they could find three other people in the same situation as I am, who can play bridge, I would die happy. <laughs> Come on, boys. Let's get on with our lives. We all have to die sometime. I thought that was wonderful. Yeah? 
But that wasn't me, as I said. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Ian. Anybody else want to share anything at all? Okay. We're going to pray together. I'm going to invite John to come and lead us in a short prayer uh, before we then close. And then please remain seated afterwards and we'll let you know what will happen. What a privilege to be here today. It's great to be here. For those of you at home, when a lot of us were coming in this morning, we were waving at each other because we can't do anything else. So all of you at home, will you please now wave at us and we'll wave back at you. <laughs> Lord, we know that you are always with us and listen to our prayers. So we pray for those people who have special needs at this time, including those who have suffered most from the coronavirus. We include those suffering from mental and physical illnesses, from bereavement, those who are involved in caring for others, people who are lonely, people who have lost their jobs, and those suffering from abuse at home. We pray especially for those members of our fellowship in special need, and we pray particularly for David and Hillary. For David, for some relief from his time of distress. We pray for all the ongoing care that they will be needing. And we pray that throughout all of this, they can find a sense of peace. And in just a moment of silence, let us all of us offer to God in our prayers those people close to us who need our prayers at this time. But we also have so much to thank you for, Lord. We thank you for our families, for our friends, and for our neighbours who have helped us during this difficult time. We thank you for all the people who continue to support us, the doctors, the hospitals, the supermarkets, and for all those people that have volunteered to help others during this time. Organisations like Foodshare particularly come to mind. We thank you for all the people at our church, for the phone calls, and for the emails, and especially for those who have made our online services so successful. And we thank our leaders for all the work that they have been doing to see a way forward for us. Finally, we pray, Lord, for our national and local leaders as they seek the best way forward, balancing the needs of health and the economy. We may not always agree with them, and they may have made mistakes, but they are doing an impossible task, 
and indeed our constant prayers. So Lord, looking forward, we look forward to the hope that you give us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you are watching this recording, I want to encourage you to get in touch with us with regards to what you thought about today. It may well be that there's been questions that have been put in your mind about your own being baptised, particularly if you are a follower of Jesus or if you want to find out why we would do that, what's important prior to that, what facilitates that. Do please get in touch and contact us. It may well be that there's that sense of the subject of the Holy Spirit that is alien or foreign to you, or maybe a wilderness experience that you're going through. Again, please do make contact with us. We'd love to chat with you further. Let's just bring whatever it is that we're going through right now to God as we close together. Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to be together, whether that be face-to-face in your presence here, which has felt very special, or whether that be online in what's called a, a virtual environment. May there be something, something of the presence of God that wherever we find ourselves, that we connect with the sense of feeling together and of being church again. God, with that which we've heard, which we've thought about, sung about, we pray that you might prompt a response from ourselves in what we've looked at, that there's a, there's a chapter of activity of responding to what you had said and done. And so we look to ourselves and what response you might be drawing from ourselves. Give us courage where we need it. Give us grace, grace and patience where we need that. May we be conscious of your leading us and indeed meeting with us. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.